The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this or any broadcasts belong solely to our guests or our hosts. These broadcasts do not represent or reflect the views of their employers, sponsors, or affiliated organizations. Welcome to the Flipboard EDU podcast with your host, William Jeffrey, where we collaborate, communicate, and educate with the greatest educators in the world on Flipboard. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey. And on today's show, Alicia Fraser, an educator, mother, children's book author, podcast host, wife, and doctoral student, does all the above with one goal in mind, mining for the gifts in her children, students, and fellow teachers. Alisa is an expert in cultural diversity, education, and supporting teachers and high-quality instructional practices that enhance teaching. In this episode, we explore the techniques of mining for treasures in students and teachers. We also discuss meaningful instructional design for diverse student populations. We speak with her about her podcast, Designed to Thrive, and connecting the multidisciplinary approaches for instructional purposes for teachers. Alicia also details how important it is for teachers to cultivate personal creativity as one of the ways to reach students and teachers where they are and support their growth. So, like we always do about this time, let's communicate, collaborate, and educate with the best educators in the world right here on Flipboard EDU Podcast. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey, and I'm here with a very good friend of mine, Alyssa Frazier. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Coach. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. I would like for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. The first thing that I'll say is that I am a work in progress. I am the intersection of so many things. What I'm most proud of is that I have learned to be patient and to mine for the gifts that are within my children because they are my they they are like like wow can't believe that they are actually mine. I am the mother of two kiddos who are on the spectrum, the autism spectrum. And so one of them is a musical savant and the other is a mathematical genius. And prior to me finding out these things, I was really focused on fixing them. Like saying, you need to meet these benchmarks. And if you don't, I'm going to fix you. And it wasn't until I began to, um, really tune in and tap into and listen to their language of communication because they were nonverbal. So I was one of those moms that we come from families where there's nothing wrong with those boys. They'll be just fine. It's, you know, he's just a little slow on his feet. You know, like, don't you know your brother didn't talk till he was five years old? And I wonder, and this is my brother who is an artist, and I wonder, like, our, our family was like, don't do, you know, don't do those therapies. Don't do that. And And we really had to reject that, right? So our kiddos were doing every kind of therapy possible, right? We're doing speech therapy. We're doing occupational therapy. My babies are climbing climbing walls. They're on balance beams. They're doing all kinds of stuff. I'm hugging them and 
kissing them and doing sign language with them. And what I found was, yes, all those processes were important. But more importantly, it was us believing that we were going to tap into them because all of those things were just means to tap into your greatness. And I kid you not, my son, Levi, was seven years old. And he went from going, ah, and pointing to full sentence, mommy, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I was like, what? You want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You didn't even say your name. You've been pointing. You've been, uh, what? Of course. And so what that showed me was that there was so much processing that was happening behind the scenes that although it wasn't coming out the way I wanted it to come out, he was, he was getting up. And so he, he, he had thought, he knew what he wanted. He was letting me know full sentences. And so that's just one point to say that. And now me and my husband, when we see people and we haven't been out so much because of COVID, but when we would see people out in the mall or out about and they would be with their children who had exceptionalities, uh, we would speak to them and say, how are you doing today? Like, don't, it's okay. Don't, don't apologize for your kid. I, I don't know if folks are believers, but we're believers. And so we would even ask and say, you know, are you a believer? And can we pray with you? Mm-hmm. Right. And can we, because, and then we would always ask them, have you found the gift? Because they've got some, yeah. <laughs> probably two or three. Right. Yeah. And so mining for the gift. And then it also translated to me coming back to being a classroom teacher and taking formal courses with special ed courses and things like that. I'm a minor of, of gifts and talent and a mother of, of fantastic kiddos. And besides that, on the formal note, I am former high school English teacher, reading specialist, instructional coach. I'm an ed techie. That's how I met a uh, coach yeah. over here. And currently, I am a doctoral student. I'm getting a degree in curriculum and instruction. I'm an instructional designer. So I'm all about like, how do we build fantastic things for for our kiddos, especially for our black and brown kiddos. Uh, I do school improvement, research and evaluation, a little bit of that as well. But more importantly, I'm just really at this place, I'm really excited about taking research and translating it so that we're not doing research on people, so that we are saying, what are the things that they need? What are the things that are important? And how can we make sure that the everyday person, that it doesn't just go up in a journal in somebody's, you know, like words that folks aren't going to read and it's so dense. How can we take that, translate it so that we can begin to have dialogue about like, what are people doing? And that's amazing. And how can we get ideas from that and get excited from that and try some stuff, be a part of this participatory of this. Um, you are a part of the process and in, in your own learning instead of someone watching you and observing you and doing research on you. I'm all about like growth and learning with you. And that's because of my base in being a, a, a practitioner and being a teacher. So I hope that wasn't too much. No, that wasn't entirely too much. You have said a mouthful. There are some things in there that I really just want to go in and unpack, specifically a gift miner, just mining for gifts. So you already know how I feel about children and education. I I was on. It's one thing that you missed, though, and I I didn't hear you say that you were also a podcast host. I I missed that Ah! one. Yes, you're also a podcast host. And what is the name of your podcast, ma'am? Yes, I am the host of Design to Thrive podcast 
with Alyssa Frazier. It's a show where we bring teachers and school leaders and community partners together to talk about the amazing things that they're doing to create spaces where students are valued, where they uh, are empowered, and where they experience success. It's really all about that, like, how are we intentionally designing our learning spaces and how are we even rethinking what a learning space is? How can we take what we're doing in the classroom and connect it with the community and connect it and stop thinking that we just got to do English or we just got to do math? You know, there's some, some amazing folks at Braid Hair that are doing mathematical equations. Do you know that there's some amazing um, strategy and implementation and critical thinking that goes on in the basketball court? Do you know that just how we think about the integration of learning is just like we have to really just expand that. Alyssa, your your mind is just a beautiful thing. I want to go back to the gift mining. Okay, so what allowed you, is was it the experience with your children that allowed you to realize that everybody has a treasure on the inside? Yeah, I think that um, what happened is, is I had a couple of really good friends. What they revealed to me was that I, I zone in. I zone in, I, I, I target something, I, I, you know, I, I look at it from all these different angles. And I look at how you feel, how you're reacting, what data you're creating. I do all of this in the studying. Um, but I always had kind of an end that I was always kind of focusing towards. And I, and I thought, well, if I could just reach this end, I'll be, you know, I'll be okay. And so my friends were saying, you know, you do so much of this data mining and gathering and you do all of this, but the idea that you already know what the end is, you need to rethink that because you are trying to make something fit that maybe just doesn't fit, you know, and it hurt my heart because I was like, what? I'm doing that? I think part of it is that I was taught from a very young age that there are certain lines that make that makes sense yeah. and that you should follow. I subscribe to that. And contrary to who I am, so I am a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, a creative writer. Yeah. I love music, yeah. all of these things. And I was always taught growing up that those things were secondary, right? Yeah. That you needed to, you know, you need to do one, two, three, and these were the careers that mattered. And these were the things that mattered. And those other things, those are playthings. I began to adopt that mindset, not realizing that I had already had been watered and had the seeds inside of me to cultivate creativity. So that was a natural place for me to reside. And I had put that away because I thought that I was supposed to be. When my friends told me that, I said, gosh, man, I am, right? I'm not, you know, what am I doing? It was because of their conversations with me that they said, your kiddos are on a journey And you need to support them in the journey of them becoming the best that they can be. And you need to do what you do best. You gather data. So gather that data. And so as I began to do that, what I realized, for example, with with my Ethan is that when we would go places, he would study the structure. He would say, well, I kind of, I kind of, and he would outline the, the structural components of everything. And he was obsessed with that. And I was like, oh my goodness, he really, you know, oh my goodness, look at structures and all. And then I began to ask him, well, well, what about this? And what about that? And he said, well, if you put this with here and I'm, I'm seeing this. And I began to see that he was imagining from the base of things, what things could be because of how his mind as an engineer mm. thought. And it just took me from asking him some more questions to, un, 
to unpack that because I didn't know where we were going, but I knew that he had some ideas. And so that brought me joy to see him be able to, to be able to get excited about that. My son, Levi, wouldn't look at you. He wouldn't talk to you. However, when I sang to him, he would tune in. And so I would sing everything. I would sing, brush your teeth in the morning. I would sing, put on your drawers, son. I would sing, dirt old meal. You know, and so I'm singing all these things, Sam. And he would, his whole countenance, he would light up. What I wasn't realizing then was, man, you know, he, we would go to swimming and I'm going to speed this up a little bit, but I remember we were in mommy and me classes and, you know, mommy and me, you go there to get the baby. And so then when he got a little older, he was like two and a half. They said, you can't get any more mom, you know, just he's going to be okay with us. And I said, well, he doesn't talk, you know, and what if he needs something? And then I said, well, they said, okay, mom, he's going to be okay. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give it a try. And then the instructor said, well, he's not responding to me, mom. He's not listening. And I said, well, have you tried singing to him? And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, if you sing to that boy, I said, believe me, he's going to be with you. And doggone it, if she didn't say, you know, arch your arm, cup your hands, and she's supposed to cup that water. And do you know, she said, cup your hands. And he said, cup your hands. Right. So he's doing it with her. Uh-huh. And she jumped. And I tell you, she says, mom, do you know? And I said, yes, I do know. I said, he followed directions. He was excited. I said, he was modeling with you. He was laughing and giggling with you. I said, it opens music, opens him up. Mm-hmm. And what I later found out is that um, my son is that kid who can listen to any song anywhere and he can sit with you. And you can begin to play it and he can sit down next to you and play the accompanying part without even having heard the song. So he's a music savant. Wow. And it, it was only because of me saying, paying attention and saying, what is he responding to mm-hmm. that I can now use as a bridge, as a medium to teach him more things, to bring joy into our experience, our joint experience. This episode is going to get so deep because, again, this goes back like how many of our students are sitting in the classroom and just waiting for their treasure to be found from a teacher. I have to share a small story. I was lucky enough to coach with a Hall of Fame basketball coach and one of his most decorated NBA basketball players. He's short. And I asked yeah. I asked this coach, I was like, coach, how did you? Uh, get the, his particular player. I'm talking about Coach Ronnie Courtney and his player is TJ Ford. And I said, Coach, yeah. looking at TJ, I would not expect for him to be the basketball player that he is. He said, Coach, when I looked at TJ and I saw him as a freshman, I said to myself, this kid is going to be great because I'm not going to put limits on his talent. And he never limited TJ's talent. And TJ is a Texas basketball legend. And, and I learned that from him, that you don't put limits on children, that you, you and, and it's like exactly what you said. But the question is, if I'm a new teacher, like what should I do if I have somebody who's not responding to the way I'm giving instruction in my class? I would say a couple of things. One, I would take stock of if I've been leaning into kind of the same, the same thing. And so we do things, one, because we've been trained, two, because we're comfortable. And then three, sometimes we just really love that thing, whatever it is. I would take stock and say, hey, 
am I doing the same thing, whether I'm intending to do it or not? Am I doing the same thing? And I'm am, what kind of results am I getting as a pattern? And so you can begin to see what is a pattern. And the patterns are going to be a couple of things. One, are my students engaging? Are they communicating? Are they engaging with me? Two, are they able to demonstrate their understanding with me? And three, do they trust me to guide them? Right. And um, how do you know that? You know that because students, when you earn their trust, they'll begin to try some things, even if they know, you, you know, you haven't given them all the tools. You've given them a couple of pieces, but you kind of want to see what they can do a little bit. They'll try that more when they've got that trust instead of saying, well, I did this a little bit. Is it right? Uh, I need your validation. I did this a little bit. Is it right? Uh, I don't really believe in myself. And not only do I not believe in myself, but I don't believe you as a guide for me. And for new teachers, I would take stock of that. And it's data mining. It's data gathering. It's not you saying you're doing something wrong, but it's saying that if this approach is not yielding the results that I need to be able to continue to cultivate this learning environment, then what other things can I begin to try? Because it's really about, is it giving the students what they need? It's not a, are you this type of person? Because you can have all kind of wonderful plans in the world. You can create 5 million Bitmoji classroom, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. come on, come on. You know what I'm saying here? <laughs> you can do all of that yeah. stuff. But if you are not some, some crumbs, do you have some crumbs that you can follow? If you don't see and they have stopped to, to take assessment and take stock and, and to then begin to... to um, to find some new approaches. Love that. And I'm looking, we talked about a topic for our talk for tonight, and I'm going to read to my audience what you wrote to me. This is how much of a genius that I'm dealing with. You said, I designed an instructional lesson plan, which you attached. It says that is using a teaching tool alongside the ISTE standards and tech tool. And, and I'm putting parentheses because you are a techie that the CR teaching and tech integration is also what I'm researching for my dissertation. The other thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is how we we bring those study or research education to those and practice together, having connected communities with diverse perspectives, richness, and levels out of traditional hierarchies. To go all over that, you are a technology specialist. And how do you plan to use technology to do what you just talked about? The lesson plan template that I created, and, and that's really a simplified version to say that it's a lesson plan template because it's really um, a structural guide Mm -hmm. and a structural guide says, my goodness, if I am designing a unit, designing learning, designing engagement, if I'm designing with all of these components in mind, one, what's my goal? What are my goals? What am I hoping to do? Two, what am I, um, how am I hoping to engage with my students? Um, Three, how am I tapping into their cultural wealth, their cultural capital, connecting what I'm doing to their relevant lives? And three, how am I navigating those standards, those ISTE standards, those content standards, those 21st century learning standards? How am I being intentional about looking at how they come together and how they build upon one another? Mm-hmm. And so that's what that tool was because you can. You can say, oh, I've got the continuity bucket. Check. I've got the standards bucket. 
I've got this thing that I want to do. Check. But it's a whole nother thing to say, hmm, if my goal is to teach, and for me, I'm passionate about culturally responsive teaching, Mm -hmm. teaching that taps into cultural wealth of historically underserved students. So for me, that's African-American, Black students, that are Hispanic, Latino, Latino students. Um, But we know that everybody has culture. Nobody is culture less. Right. right? Including the white students. They they have a culture as well. They have culture. They have place-based culture. They have familial culture. They have historical. They have traditions. They have all these different layers of what makes them them. That's Mm -hmm. unseen and seen. Mm -hmm. And the beauty for a lot of our white students is that our curriculum was designed to tap into their culture because it was built to yes. tap into their cultural yes. aspects. Yes. And it, because it wasn't designed to tap into our cultural assets, doesn't mean that, you know, we have more culture, but we have different cultural assets. Yes. And so if you've got students that are sitting in front of you, that may be a cultural mismatch that maybe you're not understanding their interactional norms. Maybe you're not understanding the comparisons they draw. Maybe you're not understanding the way that they communicate. If you don't, you might be missing out on some of that critical thinking, mm. right? Because of those 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 mismatches. Yes. And so designing your instruction with all of those things in mind can be tremendously impactful. And so that lesson design was meant to take all of those components and put them in a way where folks could say, hmm, when I'm, when I'm designing my goals, how do my goals transfer, my goals to this lesson transfer beyond these four weeks or these six weeks or these 10 weeks? Yeah. How is this going to impact my students when they're, when they're going out in their community, when they're going to post-secondary endeavors, yeah. is it just good for that unit test? Are you studying The Great Gatsby and it was a phenomenal book and you love the way it was written? Or are we looking a little bit deeper? Are we looking at relationships? Are we looking at the way systems are, are built? Yeah. Are we looking at our idea of what makes us human? And, and in that particular book, we're talking about a guy who literally changed his whole who he was because he did not love himself. Mm. And so he thought, if I become this person with this money, that folks are going to love me, that I'm going to find true love. And I think that, that that you can make a comparison with my kiddos. I put it in a soap opera and I was like, hey, how many of you all think that you have to talk the way Miss Frazier talks? You have to walk the way Miss right? And so things like that, where you don't think you can make a connection, you most definitely can't yeah. make connections for kiddos. Alyssa, you are amazing. I, I, I would have learned a lot in your class. Our time is winding down. I could talk to you forever yeah. because, uh, again, I feel like I'm leaving so much on the table. There's just so many like commonalities that we look at. You call the kids having a treasure. I call them being a seed. I say that in each or in each person, there's a forest. Every seed has a forest on the inside of it. Um, and, and you said that they have a treasure that you mine for treasure. This lesson instructional plan that you created, this template is amazing and it needs to be shared. And I, I would love for them to share it with you. And if it, with your permission, I would definitely share it, but I'm just not going to steal it because I would steal it. <laughs> 
I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Folks that want to um, tap into me, you can reach me a couple of different ways. I'm in the Twitter world. I'm all out there. Yeah. So I'm Frazier's Vision with an S F R A D I E R S O N. Excuse me, Frazier's. Excuse me. Instead of just I E R S I E R S Vision V I S I O N. So you can tap me on Twitter. Um, you can also tap me on NIA Development. And so that's N-I-A-D-E-V-E-L-O-P-M-E-N-T dot org, org. That's my consultancy. And you will definitely see that the podcast is published by me, but it's, but it's, uh, it's published with NIA. Yeah, just, you know, just reach out if you got questions. I am, a, I'm a giver. And I've been poured into by so many fantastic people that, you know, definitely if you got a question and I can, and I can help you out, happy to do so. And I will do a little bit more thinking on, um, on that template with, uh, <laughs> with coach. We have the Flipboard EDU podcast magazine. And when you share the link for this document, we'll just put it in there and that'll be shared with our listening audience. They can comment and, you know, give feedback and any information you can reach out there as well. And we also will have you on the Flipboard Educators blog. So man, I love talking to you. Always a deep conversation. And since I've met you in the same way, just reaching out, we were in the same uh, personal learning network together. And just reaching out to you, you have always been a great resource. I would love to see you in Texas uh, working with some of our teachers and students. So um, I, I just thank you for being available for a conversation. Absolutely. And uh, yep, happy to be here. And uh, we'll keep talking. We'll keep it going. Flipboard is a great way to collect articles for classes, show off your school and school spirit, and share expertise with peers. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for Flip Tips. Today's Flip Tip is brought to you by my homegirl, Terry Porter, from her blog on Medium.com entitled Making Flipping Easy. There are certain controls in the iOS share dialog box that I use with a lot of flipboards. So I change these settings on my iPad and iPhone to make flipping easy. Number one, I want Flipboard to be my primary app of choice for sharing. Those app icons in the share dialog box are movable. Just press the icon, select and move it. Number two, there are certain share options only available in Flipboard. These include promote to cover, which moves an image you flipped into your magazine to the cover of your magazine. And you can remove from your magazine, which gives you the ability to remove a flip. Shout out to my homegirl, Terry Porter, for that flip tip. Thanks, Terry. Flipboard fam, thanks for listening to this episode. I want to give a huge shout out to Elisa Fraser. Thank you for coming on the show. I also want to give another shout out to Dr. Michael Milstead and Stacey Boudry. They're working hard with their school districts. Hey, also to you hardworking teachers out there, really appreciate what you're doing for our students. Some of you are just starting school this week. Some of you have been in school this whole time, um, going back face to face. So we wish you all the luck in the world. We want you to be safe. Uh, make sure you have those kids wash their hands. And hey, you don't forget to wash yours, okay? Also, huge thank you again to Crystal Vanderboom and Eileen Laylor 
for just keeping this program going on Flipboard. Also want to give another shout out to Marcy McHugh. Just thank you guys for letting me do what I do on Flipboard EDU Podcast. All right, we'll see you guys next week.